0: You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. Spring is in the air. Spring is in the air. My neighbor's mowing his lawn. I was going to say. We know because we can hear the lawnmower in the background. I'm not sure there's anything our sound engineers can do about that, but Hey, it's not a bad sound, right? It's better than a snowblower.
1: That's right. (laughs) If it means spring, we'll take it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, In the uh, spirit of spring cleaning, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Michigan State University Retirement Plan and uh, some of the basic concepts around that today.
1: Yeah, you know, it's one of those that it's a fairly generous plan, even though they've had some cutbacks recently. Um, Still very generous plan, but there are some different pieces and parts um, to it. So it's not just a, hey, we've got a retirement plan. It's a couple different Um, options that we'll go over today and and kind of get some basics on those and make sure that you are taking advantage of it to the fullest.
0: There's really three basic parts to the Michigan State uh, Retirement Plan. There's the 403B Base Retirement Plan, the 403B Supplemental Retirement Plan, and then the MSU 457 Deferred Compensation Plan.
1: That's right. And each of them play a specific role in terms of your retirement savings. And there's different reasons why you would potentially use, in some cases, people are using and contributing to all three. So the most most basic one is, no doubt about it, the base retirement plan, right? And so this is the one where you're eligible eligible to participate up to five um, percent, and this is also where you get your matching contributions go
0: into this base retirement plan. So that five percent is 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 where well the first five percent that you contribute to the Michigan State Retirement Plan ends up in the base plan, and then. The MSU, the university's match, which has been a bit of a moving target and a little bit of a controversial issue lately, that's where that gets deposited as well. Before the COVID cutbacks and everything going on, Michigan State had a very generous match where it was $2 for every one of that first 5%. So if you put in 5%, they put in 10%.
1: That's changed a little bit depending on what faction you fall into. Um, Some people still have that two-for-one match, but a lot of folks have gone to the 5% match. And so you put in five into the base retirement program, the university puts in five, that gets you to 10. Um, Although some people are still at that 5 to uh, 10% to get to up to the 15 And so also of note on this is some of those, a lot of people are voluntary in terms of your contributions, but some folks are actually mandatory where they're man- mandating that you contribute to 5%. It
0: has to do with your position and whether you're unionized or non-unionized and some other issues. So probably best to check with HR if you have any questions or your department.
1: I think we actually have access to a list as well of okay. eligibility that we'll put in the show notes um, oh, if you're curious right. about that. If you are um, wanting to save more for retirement, let's say, you know, you're at 5% and you want to go up to 10%. So that next chunk of money that you put in would actually over the 5% would actually go into the supplemental retirement program. And so yes. This is where you can put extra contributions over and above the 5% funds that you're getting matched.
0: Right. So the, the annual limit for an individual into a 403B plan is 19500 if you're under 50. And you can put an additional 6500 in once you've turned 50. But that nineteen five limit applies to both of these plans. So the way to think about it, I think an example works best. If your income, let's say your salary is 100,000, I like that cuz the math's easy. Yeah. The uh, first $5,000 of your contributions will go into the base retirement plan, that 5%. Now you can put in another 19,500 So the next group of your contributions would go into the supplemental retirement program. So at the end of the year, you'd have $5,000 of your own money that had gone into the base plan and $14,500. Into the supplemental retirement program. You know, the, the maximum
1: is always going to be there depending on your contributions and income, but overflow kind of goes into this supplemental retirement program. Yeah. And so you'll notice when you, you know, when you're contributing to this, you'll actually have two different plans when you log in to look at your account right.
0: so you can see the two different plans. Just to confuse things further. Of course. There is also the MSU 457 deferred compensation plan. Which has a whole separate contribution limit. And yeah, kind
1: of the, the purpose behind this is the for the super savers out there where the nineteen five plus the match isn't enough, you actually get to <laughs> contribute an additional nineteen five to the four fifty-seven plan. Um, should yep. you be at that level where you need extra or want extra retirement savings or extra tax deferral.
0: Yep. Yep. And again. Also, the, uh, you can do the additional 6500 into that plan if you're over 50 as well. So back to my hypothetical example, if you had a $100,000 salary, the first $5,000 you want to put away would still go into the 403 base plan. And then you could put another $14,500 into the MSU 403B supplemental retirement program. And then as much as another nineteen thousand five hundred on top of that into the four fifty seven plan, it's pretty aggressive. And then that's kind of why it's built,
1: why there is three different plans, because there are people that want to take advantage of maximizing all that right. they can defer from a tax standpoint for retirement savings. But for most folks, and for people that don't necessarily aren't going to get over the nineteen five, having just the base retirement plan and the supplemental plan is probably enough. There's not really a great reason to have all three unless you're getting up over that nineteen five mark.
0: Three basic plans, but then there's also two different plan custodians
1: that you can choose from. You know, when you think of it,
0: now we're at six,
1: right? So right. Um, <laughs> there is two different plan groups and and you know, four oh three Bs have kind of morphed into, you know, a lot of time with older plans. If you you know, depending on how long you've been mm-hmm. at the issue, you knew they were multiple different plans, um, right? Or custodians, areas that you could go. And now it's just focused on either TIAA or uh, Fidelity. Fidelity. And so you have two different options as far as who you want to be the custodian or record keeper. Um, And so there's not a whole lot of differences in terms of the plans themselves, in terms of how much you can contribute and how they're run. They're run exactly the same. There are some minor differences when it comes down to different investment options available. Um, but even more recently, those are becoming more and more similar. There's only a handful of funds that are different between one one company to the
0: other. I think every time I've looked at these plans over the last five or six years, they, they morph closer together every time I look at them. So between the TIA and the Fidelity choices, all with, with both of the custodians, there are two, three basic tiers of investments. And so tier one is just made up of target date funds. And in both the Fidelity and the TIAA versions of these plans, it's the Vanguard Target date retirement funds.
1: So no difference in so if you're coming in and saying I just want to you know have a target date retirement fund, it's not going to make a difference whether you choose TIAA or whether you choose Fidelity. The funds right. themselves and the cost of the funds are going to be exactly the same. Exactly. It's just a matter same. of preference of you know do yeah. you prefer TIAA over Fidelity.
0: We probably should talk for a minute about what a target date fund is. That's a a, a mutual fund that's meant to be one-stop shopping, more or less, where all you really need to do is tell the fund manager what year you plan to retire. Or or they go in five-year increments generally. So the closest five-year increment to when you're planning to retire. And you're essentially saying, Vanguard, manage these funds responsibly for me, as though you were doing it for someone you don't know, who's planning to retire in 2050 or 2055. 2060. And you trust them to then allocate those funds accordingly.
1: They're going to be in charge of all the rebalancing, all the asset allocation decisions. Mm -hmm. It's kind of almost the set it and forget it, if you will. As long as, you know, if you pick the 2050 fund and you don't change your plans and decide (laughs) to retire in 2035, you're going to be in a pretty good spot in terms of the allocation that you have as you head into retirement.
0: You know, a 20... 50 fund right now in 2021 is going to be mostly in stock and going to be pretty volatile and meant for a long-term time horizon, but it will gradually become more conservative as you get closer to that 2050 target date. Something
1: to definitely be aware of in terms of, you know, if you're depending on what your risk level is, you might buy a fund that has a higher list risk level than you're comfortable with, right. but it yeah. might, it makes sense from a time frame. Yeah. Standpoint, And so there are some pros and cons to the target date retirement funds, but right. all in all, you're going to have a well-diversified portfolio that is right. set up for, you know, changing with your retirement and getting and in, in changing the allocation the closer you get to retirement.
0: Vanguard's idea of what's an appropriate risk for you at age 30 might be different than how you feel about it. So there can be differences. Yeah. That said, you know, I always feel like if I'm never going to see somebody again, and I know that they're in a target date fund, particularly, you know, Vanguard has good options for target date funds. Um, If I never see them again, I know that they're, you know, 85% of the way to having you know, a, a good investment plan in place.
1: Like if you buy a target date fund right now and in 15 years you come back to us, we're not going to say, whoa, wait Boy, on. that was silly. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, 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 right. So, you know, it doesn't mean that there's not better choices sometimes or different ways to do it. But if I'm never right. going to see somebody again, that's a, that's a pretty solid option. So tier two, then, are index funds meant to cover different slices of the market? Mm-hmm. And those are going to be available from both TIA and Fidelity, depending on which custodian you have.
1: Yeah, so those index funds are exactly the same, no matter whether at TIAA or Fidelity. And they're kind of you know designed as passively managed, low-cost investments that are broadly diversified over that section of the market, uh, which are good for people who are trying to build a portfolio on their own, but are worried about costs and worried about um, things of that nature. So this might be a good way to build a, a low-cost, long-term view portfolio, depending on you know what your goals are.
0: Right. When, when we manage money for our asset management clients, we're essentially using index funds to create portfolios. And we're right. choosing so much in the emerging markets index and so much in the large company stock index and so much in the small company stock index. And so that does give you that flexibility to choose how you want to build the portfolio as opposed to the target date funds where that's all happening under the hood. Somebody at Vanguard is saying, okay, Bob, if you're gonna retire in 2050, I want 5% in emerging markets right now. So you do have a more hands-on role and a little more responsibility then.
1: You're building your own portfolio, whether it's with uh, the tier two funds or tier three, which we'll get into, you're responsible for rebalancing and making sure the portfolio monitors what you want it to. What we mean by that is you might start out with 60% into equity and 40% into bonds, but if you let it go for 15 years, that could be 80-20. That could be, and so, you know, your risk could increase as the market gains and as things happen to the portfolio it's not just a hey we'll put it here and it'll be fine there's some things that
0: you have to look at on a regular basis and make some decisions around just a second on what an index fund is they're you know they're trying to match that particular slice of the market and the way it's measured instead of trying to pick stocks within that group And so that's kind of contrasted against the tier three funds, the next group that TIA and Fidelity offer, which are actively managed funds. And in an actively managed fund, there's actually a team of stock pickers generally that are saying, okay, if our slice of the market is large company value stocks, then we're deciding how much we want in general electric and Ford and Procter and Gamble versus other choices you know, trying to predict which stocks are going to outperform and which ones will underperform
1: the tier three is those active funds. Like we talked about, and this is where we get some of the variance in the two different plans. And so tier three is Mm -hmm. where you'll see a difference between what's offered at fidelity and what's offered at TIAA around certain categories. Now there's a lot of this, these tier three funds that are the same, but there's a couple of them that are a little bit different. So, if you have a plan and you like a certain um, actively managed fund, it might not be in the other, in the if like you yeah. might not be available at Fidelity. So as you're making decisions going forward, or and, and a lot of people don't switch once they start with one, you know, one custodian, they don't right. often go to the other one, although it is allowed in the plan. Um, but that's something to consider if you're starting up and you're looking at the different plans and trying to decide on which one, there are some differences in those actively managed funds.
0: There's a different level of analysis that goes into looking at actively managed funds because you're, you're, you're then buying into a manager's philosophy on that particular part of the market and how you should invest. And, you know, I, I said a second ago, when we build portfolios for clients, we're using index funds because what we've seen over time is that those actively managed funds don't usually outperform their indices anyway, especially when you factor in the costs. And that's the, that's the kind of the hidden part of actively managed funds. You need to look at the expense ratios and see how much you're paying for that manager who you're hoping can outperform the market. Because if he's charging you an expense ratio, the cost inside that fund, you don't see it as a bill, but it's a, it's an expense built into the performance of the fund. If it's costing 1%, then he's got to outperform the market by 1% just to break even, right? Right. Com- compared to an index fund where the costs are extremely low and you pretty much are just matching the market. Just to be
1: clear, you don't have to stay in, in an individual tier when you're building a portfolio inside of your 403B account. You might decide that you want some index funds and you might pair those up with uh, tier three actively managed funds. So it's not a all or none decision. Although um, we usually warn people against, you know, if you're going to have a target date fund, that probably should be the sum of your portfolio. Um, There's probably not a great reason to have a target date fund be 10% and then build a portfolio on top of that because you're getting a lot of overlap and it just um, doesn't make a ton of sense from the standpoint of how you should think about putting
0: together a portfolio. We see that very often. When people have have built their own stuff in a retirement plan that they'll mix target date funds with other investments. And usually, especially again, if, if well, it depends on the situation, but a lot of the time, you know, they'd be better off just trusting that target date fund manager to get the job done for them.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of those. And we, we talk about it as well, Dave. It, it's just, you know, thinking that it has to be more complex than it is. Sometimes right. simple and easy is a really great solution. Right, right. <laughs> so right. owning a target date is pretty simple and it's right. really easy and it's not necessarily a bad well, solution.
0: And I, I, think, I think where I've seen people stray on that is that they, they confuse what it means to be diversified. Right. And so a target date fund, by definition, is extremely diversified. Mm -hmm. owning a bunch of different funds doesn't necessarily make you diversified. If all those funds are investing in the same types of stocks, you're not diversified. Right. But if you own one fund that owns thousands of different stocks across the whole market, that's diversified in and of itself. And I think that's where people get kind of stray on that. So tier four is called the self-directed brokerage account option. And so, you know, with each of these plans, The first three tiers are all restricted, right? You can't decide you want a T-Row price target date fund instead of a Vanguard fund within that tier. If you want something outside of the basic plan options, you have to open a self-directed brokerage account through... TIAA or Fidelity?
1: The TIAA brokerage account is relatively new. Fidelity's had one for a while. But this is, you know, if you're looking at, if you look at the different plans and the different options, like you said, Dave, there's only a certain number of available investment options. And that's where the self-directed brokerage window Kind of changes that because essentially you're going to Fidelity, you're going to TIAA, and you're opening up the world of investments, whether that's individual stocks or um, different mutual funds from different mutual fund families. You're getting access to a lot more. Now, keep in mind, for the average person, the funds that are in the plan, you you can get a diversified (laughs) portfolio, so you probably don't need to go to the world of investments yeah. And, you know, analysis by or paralysis by analysis of trying to figure out what fund family is the right. best, what index fund is the best. You have good options in there.
0: However, yeah.
1: you know, for those people that are looking for something a little bit more, maybe a little bit more experienced with managing investments, this might be an option to, you know, use mm-hmm. one of those brokerage windows and
0: have access to more um, options. As professionals, we've used uh, those with clients where we're, mag- we're, we're make- helping them make the choices. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, a lot of the things that you can invest in through the brokerage account window, you probably shouldn't be, re- yeah. you, know, you know, yes, yes, you could buy, you know, Bitcoin ETFs and uh, GameStop and, and yes, you could do those things. But please talk to someone first.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with and like anything in life, the more potential return of something like Bitcoin, the more risk. Right. And We're talking right. about your retirement funds here. We're not talking about funny money right. that you're just hoping, you know, that yeah, you forget about and it turns into a million dollars someday. More of a gamble. This is retirement investing, yes. and it's different than speculation. And so you have to be really careful when you start talking about self-directed brokerage account windows and how that plays into it. And and MSU even comes out and says on their website, you know, we don't monitor the funds in these self-directed brokerage accounts. So the funds inside of your plan are monitored. They have a group of individuals that looks at the funds and make sure that they're satisfactory based on their criteria to put in the
0: plan. Yes. the, the, The Michigan state plan is a fiduciary plan where they have an investment committee with a list of criteria that each of these funds have to meet. And when you step into the brokerage account arena, that's not necessarily true. It's not true. I shouldn't say it's not necessarily true. It's not true at all. So, so buyer beware. And of course there are transactional costs and other things you need to make sure you're aware of when you're dealing with brokerage through either TIA or Fidelity. And it's going to depend on what you're buying. So it's kind of difficult to to talk about. There's going to be different prices for different investment vehicles.
1: So the last thing I wanted to touch on today was having multiple plans. And so as we talked about with the the base plan and the supplemental plan and the 457, that's three plans right there. Well, Mm -hmm. if you started at MSU before 2012, you probably have three plans. If you were enrolled, you could have two or three options there. And Mm -hmm. so what I would say to that is it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it also makes it more complex when you are trying to manage and rebalance like it's right. one thing if you have six different plans and they're all invested in the target date retirement fund that's not going to be hard for you to rebalance and manage but if you have six different plans you know three from mm-hmm. pre- 2012 and three current ones that's going to get harder and harder because those yeah. previous plans have different investment options in them the new ones and so Putting that all together and managing on a regular basis, especially if you're doing it on your own, you really should consider potential consolidation if that makes sense so that you're only going in and rebalancing two or three plans as opposed to six or seven. You know, in a lot of people, if you come from a different university, you probably have TIAA or Fidelity funds from that university. And so... The more plans you have, the more complex it gets and the harder it is to keep track of and make sure everything is working the way that you want it to.
0: Sometimes I think more than half of what we do is just helping people organize their stuff into a simple way to think about it and work with it. So that's a big step. And, you know, with these old plans, some of them, some of them were good investment options. Uh, We were looking at a client statement this morning from one of the old MSU programs that was from Vanguard had good investment choices in it but I know and I'm not going to name companies and beat up on them too much but uh, I know that there were a few of those old options where they were kind of expensive antiquated investment options to begin with and you know I, one way to look at it is there's a reason why Michigan State parted ways with a lot of those old plans when they consolidated in
1: 2012 and, and there's a reason why they've chosen the investments that they have now and The the costs and the structures that have changed, and you know, all in all, this is a you know, the plan is really good, and and there's low cost, good investment options um, in the current plan, and so there's not really a lot of reason to you know want to get out of the current plan or, or have an old plan unless you know there's different investment options that you potentially liked.
0: There was one other thing that I thought maybe we should talk about for a minute, and that's the TIA traditional fund? Yeah. TIAA, one of the differences between Fidelity and TIAA, the TIAA stands for Teachers Invest- Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association. It has annuity right in the name. And one of their investment options was what they call the TIAA traditional, which is a fixed annuity built into the plan. What you'll see there is it pays a little higher rate than other savings accounts or fixed investments. It's designed to eventually be turned into an annuity payment, like a pension, when you retire. Most people don't end up using it that way. Most people end up just rolling it over and using it in other funds if they're able. But one thing you need to be aware of is that the money back to the base 403B plan, your own money that goes into the TIA traditional pays a little less interest usually, but you can move money in and out of it but the university's money that goes into the TIA traditional will pay a little bit more, but will also have more strings attached. You can't just move the money out of it at retirement. The fastest you, you actually have to use it as an annuity where the fastest you can take the money out is over a 10 year timeframe. And um, you can also take it out over your lifetime. And this probably isn't the, podcast to debate the pros and cons of annuities in retirement we can have that conversation later but what I would say for right now is if you're in the tiA program just be aware make sure you know the rules for what you're what you're using there with the tiA traditional because I've had a few people where at retirement they'd accumulated quite a bit of money in that and didn't know the the ins and outs and how it worked so right and but the reason why it pays more is because they know you can't take it all
1: out. Right, you want. right, right,
0: right, <laughs> right. Back to the, uh, there's no free lunch, right? right. If, if something's paying something more than something else, this is like the truest investment axiom out there. If one thing is paying you more than something else, there is either, there's either more risk or a liquidity string to it. Yeah. So what you can count as a risk too, but one way or the other, there's, there's no free lunch. That's right.
1: But all in all, as we kind of review and look back, you know, there's a lot of different options, a lot of different things you can do. And so, um, but from a simplistic standpoint, if you're putting in the 5% and you're getting the 10% match, or if you're putting in, so I would say somewhere between 5 to 10%, the most important thing is you're making contributions. You know, we from a... From a rule of thumb, you want to be somewhere between 10 and 20%. So if you're putting in five and the university's putting in five, I get you at 10. If you're putting so somewhere north of five, you're going to have a lot of options when it comes to retirement. And even if you're invested into a target date fund um, near your retirement, you've got a good plan. You've got yeah. you're saving money for retirement. If you can do those two things as kind of a baseline, you're going to be in a really good spot.
0: Yep. I like it. That's uh that's a, it's, it's going to be a good foundation for retirement for any any MSU employee. And as you get closer to
1: retirement, probably makes sense to start reviewing what you have and how you're going to put it all together in retirement. And it would be our advice that you seek out some professional help with that um, because things do get a little bit more complicated when you move out of the growth phase and into the income phase. Um, and, and certainly something that you want to start thinking about the closer you get to retirement. but from a basic starting point, if you can make that five, 10 to 10% contribution and you can invest, um, you're going to be in a good spot. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so
0: I hear the lawnmower again.
1: Must yep. be, our. <laughs> must, be, must be time. Must be <laughs> our uh, ec- exit music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Nick. Well, it was fun. It's a good topic. And, uh, I will talk to you later. Sounds great, Dave. Thanks. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.